Thanks. Let's give that hand to Jesus. Go ahead. Clap your hands. Amen. You can be seated. It is an honor to be on this stage with family today. Um, Heartland is family to the Emory's, to our church, to the Metro Detroit area. And I, I, any excuse that I have to come back here, um, we do. Because this is home. And uh, as Mikey and Cody were talking about what the Reveal Conference was going to be, and I was ready to come, bring, bring my whole family. And uh, they've been locked in since Friday night. I have twin daughters, or 15, 11-year-old son, my wife, and uh, they've heard enough preaching already. They don't want to hear me this morning, so they're getting ready to hear Pastor Parker in just a little bit. So uh, we're excited to hear that. And Cody was, uh, they're letting, we're, we're going to do the conference it's going to be whatever it takes. And I love the, the idea of whatever it takes because if that is a, the mantra or if that's the mindset of the people of God, then no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what circumstance come our way, we're going to do whatever it takes to make it to the other side. We're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we come out on the other end. That doesn't mean we're not going to have any bruises or bumps or any, any strong stories to tell at the end of it, but our family's going to be good. We're going to do whatever it takes. When I was about 19 years old, I worked at a, a Christian school, and right after I graduated in college, I worked at a Christian school, and one of my responsibilities was to arrive early in the morning and to open up the school, open up the daycare, and so I was get there about 6 a.m. I got there about 6 a.m. that morning, and I walked into the school, and I could see down the hallway, and I looked in the hallway, and there's glass doors and another set of glass doors, and then there was a, a small little window going into where the kitchen was. And I could see these lights going off, almost like police lights, red and blue lights. And I'm wondering at 6 a.m., why, why is this happening? And so I'm intrigued, right? What's going on? 6 a.m., I'm the only guy there. What's, why is there a police car outside? And so I go, and I open up the doors, and I'm walking in the next door, next door, and I open up the door, and I... I'm going into the kitchen area, and I, I look out the window. I peer and peek inside the window, and I see that it's a tow truck and not a police car. And there's a tow truck that is pulled down the side road in the back of this daycare area where the kitchen door is. And I open up the door to where the tow truck is, and I open up the door, and I realize something that was so astonishing and so inspiring that on the back of the tow truck was a milk truck. And the milk truck driver got out of the milk truck and he began to deliver the milk that day. That he delivered every day for these children that are in this daycare. Somehow there had to be a conversation between the milk truck driver and the tow truck driver. That said, hey, we need to do whatever it takes to get the milk delivered to these children today. What an inconvincing conversation. Whatever it takes for milk. And if that milk truck driver can have that mindset, then we can have the mindset for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we can do whatever it takes to make sure that people get the gospel of Jesus. I'm thankful for Pastor Dusty and Pastor Kendra. In fact, they, they will never know the value or the seeds that they have sown into our family. Whether it's the words they've shared with our kids whether it's just a text message asking, hey, Rob, how are you doing? Or it's making ways where there seems to be no way for our family. And if I talk too much, I will, I will cry. True story. 
to Cody and Mikey, I love you guys, to see the incredible men that you have become and all that God's going to do through you is, is limitless. And I'm excited to be on your side and keep calling me, Mikey. Cody, you need to call me. <laughs> and they know why. I pray for these men and they're, they've walked a road or walking a road that my wife and I have walked through and I believe in what God is going to do through them and their sweet family. And to Pastor Dan, what you don't know is that this year Pastor Dan became a Michigan Wolverine fan. <laughs> now he may not stand on this stage and tell you that, but I have proof on my phone because he would call me on game day and I'd be there. And there's only, there's only two people that I answered phone calls while I'm standing on the opposing field of our teams that we're playing. And one of them is Pastor Dan. And we would FaceTime on Saturdays. And I think, yeah, Robbie was a part of the winning year. But I believe Pastor Dan's prayers helped us get to where we needed to this year. So I honor you, Pastor Dan. I'm thankful for you. Pastor Dan hugged my children yesterday. And he did something that only Pastor Dan could do, 66-year-old leader. He hugged them, and he says, I love you, and I'm going to come see you. And to my kids who don't know him very well, it means a lot to them. That someone would care enough to get on a plane and come see them. And I said, Pastor Dan, come in the fall. I'll take you to a football game and spend some time together. And that's the pastors that you have in your church. And I honor them, and I thank God for them. There's not a a greater leadership team than what you have here at Heartland Church. And um, I want you to know that. They have navigated, they have, they have pushed through, like we've all done through the pandemic, and they've done it with excellence, they've done it with honor, they've done it with integrity, they've done it with faithfulness, and I, 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 will, they, I will fight anybody for them. <laughs> Maybe not this guy on the second row, but everybody else, I will fight you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, this, he, he walked in, I was like, oh man. Macho man Randy Savage sitting on the second row. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was too emotional, I had to make it funny. Hey, will you stand with me real quick? I want to read one verse of scripture. And then we're going to go through the word of God real quick this morning. I want to share old youth pastor sermon that God gave, God gave me years ago and um, just uh, recalled it to my memory several, uh, I, was, I was facing some things and God preached this to me long before I ever could preach it to you this morning and I, want, I just want to share this with you. Just one verse of scripture, Matthew 26 verse number 39, this is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane going a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. How many of you ever had that moment before? Like, it wasn't like a slow process. It was like you fell. It wasn't like you casually went down, but you fell, your face to the ground. Sometimes we, 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 we place Jesus in this, in this savior position and we should, he is our savior. But a lot of times we forget that Jesus didn't come to this earth to show us how to be a savior. He came to show us how to be human. And that he went to the ground, he fell to the ground. That shows you the emotion that he was going through, the pain that he was facing. And he said this, if it is possible, my father, if it is possible, 
May this cup be taken from me. Is this the way it has to go down? Is this the journey that I'm on? Is this the way? And then he does something. I don't even know if the father spoke to him. I don't even know if there was another word said to Jesus. Because we know the father would speak to him. He answers his own question. He says, but I choose your will over mine. If it's not possible, God, I, let, me, let me reframe this. I'm just going to go after your will. God, I, if, it, if I could let this go, if I could drop this, and I would, but I'm just going to go after your will. And I think there's a lot of us that would love to say, God, do I have to go through this? Do I have to face these circumstances? Is this something, do I, do I have to have this family member in my life? And there's a lot of questions that we present to God. And I think through this simple story that I'm going to share today, that we can get a lot of answers and understanding. And so for the next few minutes, I want to preach to you from this thought. Cast away or calling. Cast away or calling. Bow your heads, let us pray. God, I thank you, Lord, so much for another opportunity to stand in front of this great church who has blessed Robbie and the Emory family so very much. To the words they've shared in our lives, God, to the seeds they've sown, and to us financially, Lord, I, I am so grateful and indebted to them. And God, I pray that you would allow me to preach the word that you've placed on my heart for this day and this moment. God, let lives be forever changed, and most importantly, God, when we leave this place, let us say truly the presence of the Lord was here. And we thank you, God, for another opportunity to serve and worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I believe that God is very interested in taking us from one place to another, whether it's difficult situations to better situations. And it's, it's, God is always taking us on this journey. It's never, it's never one and done. It's never I've arrived. It's this journey of, of life. And I fly often and over the years I've, I've flown enough to where there's, there's status that comes with flying and you have that, and you, if you fly enough, you get that. And, and even though I've flown enough in my life, you'll fly at 32,000 feet, and you'll hit a pocket of air or some turbulence, and it'll still jar you a little bit, still make your heart flutter, it'll still make you a little nervous. And I think that's true with us in our walk with God as well, that, yeah, things, we're, we're on this journey, and we'll have a little bit of turbulence, and, ooh, God, you're still there. God, is everything okay? Maybe, maybe there's a 10% decrease in your pay or, or maybe something happens in your family. I, there's a lump and I've got to go get this checked out, right? We trust God in the process, but it doesn't, doesn't take the nerves away or the butterflies that hit our lives. It happens. It's been living for God most of my life and serving the Lord as a pastor for 20 years and yet still turbulence hits and you, you there, God? You're still with us in this process. And as children, we all grow up, right? We're supposed to go from infancy to, you know, adolescence and then to teenagers and adulthood. And, and the things we used to do, we shouldn't do now. And, you know, we shouldn't be drinking from a bottle still. If you are, then that's a problem. 
And so when I was a child, my parents understood that if Robbie doesn't grow out of a certain habit, it's going to be a problem when he becomes a teenager and an adult. And I'm going to confess something today that when I was a child, I sucked my thumb. Anyone else? You don't have, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. I did. I, I sucked my thumb, right? And so my parents understood if he does this when he goes to school, it's, he's going to be made fun of. It's going to be an issue, right? So we, we've got to get him to stop. And, and so as a three, four-year-old, my mom is trying to get me to stop sucking my thumb. And, and so, you know, they do all the tricks, right, to put hot sauce on your thumb. And that didn't work. I just love hot sauce, right? I still love spicy food to this day. That's not a lie. Doing whatever they can and tell me, you know, there's, there's bugs underneath your nails. Don't do that. And, and it didn't work. And my mom, she, she couldn't come with any more things to say. She didn't know what else to say. didn't know what else to do. She said, if you keep sucking your thumb, your stomach's just going to get real big. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but all right. So one day we're at the grocery store, me and my mom, and we're walking around the grocery store, and, and I got away from my mom just a little bit, but on the same aisle, and there's this lady who was probably about eight or nine months pregnant. And a four-year-old went up to her and said, I know what you've been doing. <laughs> Man, we have to mature, right? Oh. And the book of Acts tells an incredible story that I want to share today about a man who was on a journey, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who started churches, the Apostle Paul who discipled many people, the Apostle Paul that had a tragic past but a promising future, the Apostle Paul. But now he is, he is the Middle East most wanted, if you will. He is a prisoner. Just for preaching the gospel. And when we begin to read the text that Luke begins to pen in the book of Acts, we will find some things very interesting. In Acts chapter 27 verse 22, the Lord speaks to the Apostle Paul and he says some things to him that I want to preach to you today. He says to him, I need you, Paul and Luke are together and Paul stands up and he says some words to everybody that can be a little strange. He tells the crew of a few hundred men, take courage. None of you will lose your lives. Even though the ship will go down. About March 13th of 2020, I believe God was speaking these words to me. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of the, of, of the God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid. Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Now, God, can you, like, you can't save me from that as well, right? I'm, I'm not going to die in the ship being torn apart, but I, I still have to go see Caesar for a trial. But what's more, God is his goodness granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. For I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. I grew up an 80s kid, born 1978. In just a few days, Pastor Dusty will turn 39. In just a few days, I will turn 44. He looks like he's 44. I look like I'm 39. <laughs> we have this running joke. But as an 80s kid, I would watch a program 
just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. The ship's aground to the shore of this uncharted desert isle with Gilligan, the skipper too. The millionaire and his wife, the movie star, Professor and Marianne here on... Yeah, you know it, see... Gilligan's Island. It was they were they were cast. I watched a show where seven people were stranded and they would make phones out of coconuts and they would do all these things. They couldn't get off an island, but they could make a phone out of a coconut. And I remember in 2000 that a movie starring one of my favorite actors was going to hit the big screen. Yes, Tom Hanks would star in a movie unlike any other, Castaway. You know how hard it is to get a volleyball like this? <laughs> I thought about making it on my own, but and Tom Hanks would be in this movie as obsessively punctual FedEx executive Chuck Nolan. FedEx, Memphis, let's go. Tom Hanks is en route in an assignment in Malaysia when his plane crashes over the Pacific Ocean during a storm. The sole survivor of the flight was Chuck, Tom Hanks. Chuck washes ashore on a deserted island when in efforts to sail away and connect, they fail. Chuck learns how to survive on an island where he remains for years accompanied by his only handmade volleyball friend, Wilson. He was stuck on an island, Tom Hanks. Stranded. No hope. The thought of castaway or calling hits me when I begin to read what Paul begins to do and what this story begins to unfold. We can be stranded on the island of despair or answer the calling of destiny. Not the most encouraging words I think were shared in that moment. The ship's going to break apart in the storm. Things are going to come apart, but everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to survive. Everyone's going to survive, but you're going to have to listen. Sometimes God, I believe, begins to liken and, and begins to help us in our lives when things begin to break up. Because sometimes it's the breaking up of things that builds us up. Sometimes it's the breaking up of things that pushes us to our knees. Eventually it was by the debris of the ship that got them to their destination. And so I believe the Apostle Paul said, hey guys, this ship is going to break up. But you still have to hold on to it. You still have to hold on to the debris to get you to your destination. I know it's not going to look the same as it did before. 
But it still took that peace to get you to this place. It took that peace to build the ship. So hold on. See, I believe that there's fragments of faith in this room, but it's the fragments of faith that got you to where you are today. And sometimes it's a fragment of faith that'll get me to my destination. I feel like God likes to break things up sometimes for us to realize that it's the debris that gets us to our destination. But if you've ever been in a body of water and you're holding on to a flotation device, you know what you still have to do? You still have to kick. You see, a lot of us are holding on to the debris, but we're just floating. And I'm telling you, some of you seem to start kicking. Because you'll never reach a destination. You'll never reach a place of hope again. You'll never reach a place of stability again. Unless you keep on kicking. I'm telling you, you're holding on to what a broken piece in your life. But this pastor's come to tell you from the state of Michigan, keep kicking. Don't stop kicking. Don't stop pushing that water aside. You still have to put some forth some energy to survive. I want to let you know that sometimes some things fall apart in our lives for us to understand that God can make those things the best flotation devices in our lives. I know some people that maybe just barely floated into church today, but I want to tell you, keep kicking. Keep kicking. Keep kicking. The past two years in the Emory family have been hell. The hardest two years of my life. Aside from the pandemic. Just take that out. That's all of us. But it's been the hardest two years of our lives. And I, I, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, grabbed on to debris. And as I read this story, I said, no, no, it's not just grabbing on to debris. You got to keep kicking my family's not here this morning, and I, I would never embarrass them or anything, but my teenagers have been through hell. My, my nine-year-old, ten-year-old son going through things and seeing things and facing things he should never have to face at nine and ten going through hell. I think it was first of February, I text Cody and, and Mike, I said, when is the reveal? Well, when are you doing it? Doing it this weekend. I said, all right, my family's coming. We're going to be there. Let me know what we got to do. We're coming. God was telling me, you got to keep kicking, Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. Spend it. Spend the money. Thousands of dollars. Yes, we'll spend it. Because what profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And so I will tell the people in this room today, you may have served, and we thank you for serving this weekend, but a lot of you sowed into this weekend. Thank you for sowing into this weekend. Thank you for your financial contributions to make this weekend happen, because I got my family here. And last night as Pastor Dusty wept from the back, I wept from the side, because I watched as my children were up around this altar, this altar. Where church planners' children don't get to go around the altar much because they're either serving in kids or they're holding a camera or they're running lights. But this weekend they got to stand around the altar. And my 11-year-old son, when we are back after church, went and told his Uncle Dusty. He said, Uncle Dusty, I got the Holy Ghost tonight. So I'm telling somebody in this room, I don't know what your situation is or your circumstances is, but keep 
keep kicking. Keep kicking. Once they were safe on the shore, the Bible says they learned that they were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on a fire, a poisonous snake was driven out by the heat and bit him on the hand. People saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice would not permit him to live. Paul shook off the snake. He shook off the snake into the fire, and the Bible says he was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up, or suddenly dropped dead, but when they had waited for a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. I probably would have done the same thing as Paul did with the snake, but I would have screamed like a little girl. My wife and I, I think it was our second year of being married, we went to San Diego Zoo. We went to the San Diego Zoo, and I'm not a big fan of snakes. Not a big fan. I won't cheer for a team named after a snake. But we went to the San Diego Zoo, went to the reptile area. I don't even want to go in there. My wife is not scared of anything. I'm of this opinion, guys, this may be a good routine for you. If someone comes knocking on your door in the middle of the night, send your beautiful bride. I'm going to give you the reason. I'm going to give you the reason. If, you're, if you look like my man sitting on the second row, you're dead, right? You're done, but you send a beautiful lady. They're, like, going to give you a second chance, right? Right? They're going to be scared of me, right? I'm not going to be scared of her. That's my reasoning. No, I'm just kidding. We went to the reptile center. Go by where these snakes are. There's, you go back, and they have a king cobra. Have you ever seen a king cobra? That king cobra, I didn't even want to get close to it. He's on this really thick glass on the other side. This is a true story. I can't make this up because it happened to me and scared me. I'm walking by the king cobra and I'm looking. I don't think they can see me, these snakes. I don't think they can. So I'm just looking at them. And my head goes this way, his head goes that way. Well, whoa. My head goes this way, his head goes that way. This is kind of cool. Like a snake charmer. And all of a sudden, that cobra strikes the glass with his head cracked the glass I went and told somebody I said hey you need to fix this I don't have any time for snakes when we lived here in Texas you guys we have snakes here in Texas right and especially in Houston my wife would love to take pictures of them hey come see the snake I don't want to see a snake why do you want to see it get thee behind me snake you know But they just took this ill-fated voyage, this group of people. Paul and Luke and their entire crew, they crashed. But by the miraculous provision of God, they landed the island of Malta. Luke begins to write in detail in the story of Acts. Says it was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome them. The Bible says as Paul gathered... Paul went from kicking in the sea to gathering on the shore. And as Paul gathered an armful of sticks, he placed it in the fire. And as he placed it in the fire, a snake, a viper, reached out and latched onto his arm. Paul is on the island. 
And he goes out and he's gathering sticks to build this fire. And driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. Paul has just been shipwrecked, but he's gathering sticks to help make the fire continue. Paul, even though he's shipwrecked, he's still trying to serve. Because I'll say this, the circumstances of life do not make us exempt from serving. You've gone through some stuff in your life that has shipwrecked you or messed you up. There's still a responsibility for us to serve others. I know you went through a divorce. I know you went through a sickness. I know you lost your job. I know you got pain, but God's looking for somebody that will still serve while you're suffering. The Black Panther, Prince T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman, the actor, diagnosed with colon cancer, but no one knew it, died at the age of 44. But he would go visit hospitals where children were sick with cancer, and no one knew it. Yet he would go in and be the Black Panther for them. He would go in and give them hope even though he was hurting. And that lets me know that even though I have a diagnosis, I still can walk into my destiny because I can either be a castaway or fulfill my calling. It's my decision. I choose it. I can either sulk and be in being saturated from the sea, or I can start serving and making a difference in the lives of others. I can wake up Sunday morning and be sad, or I can wake up in the Sunday morning and go into the house of the Lord to worship. I can be a castaway, or I can step into my calling. Paul served. Paul served. While he was still hurting, he served. As things were starting to settle down on the island, Paul goes and gets some sticks and gathers them and places them on the fire. When he does, the snake latches onto him. He shakes it off. Pastor Dusty, we're just talking in the front row, and you saw the clip of them doing a Spider-Man bit at Reveal. That wasn't Pastor Dusty's idea, 100%. If you know anything about him, the number one grossing movies in the world, he cannot stand. He doesn't like them. It was about 10 years ago, Pastor Dusty and I and our wives went to uh, Santiago, Chile. And we were in Santiago, Chile, and uh, Marvel, one of the first Marvel movies came out. And I said, we're going to go see it in Chile. He's like, why? Why are we doing this? I said, it's going to be the greatest movie ever. We went and saw it. But one thing you'll know about heroes and villains, actually, they have the same backstory. The villain story is the same backstory of the hero. They both come from pain, usually. The hero's almost always an orphan in some way. In some way, they're orphans. The villain, if you watch the movie closely, screenwriters would have put a scar on their face, a limp, some sort of speech impediment. What they're indicating is that this person has a painful backstory. The difference between the villain and the hero is one thing. It's how they responded. The villain says, the world hurt me, I'm going to hurt it back. The hero says, the world hurt me, I'm not going to let it happen to anybody. Are there some heroes in the room? Uh, We all have a backstory of hurt and pain. The villain says, 
I'm going to hurt everybody else. The hero says, I'm not going to let it happen to anybody else. We have that choice. The snake grabbed hold of the apostle Paul. And he does something that we all need to do is he just simply shook it off. I think sometimes we allow the viper to stay on too long. Look what I've been through. Look at the pain that I, I'm going through right now. We're walking around with a snake attached to our life when that snake was never meant to stay there. It was meant to be shooken off to show the power of God. You can either shake off the snake, number two, or start to show symptoms. You can either shake off what you've been through or start to show symptoms. You can shake off what you face or you can start to show the symptoms of the venomous viper attached to you. You can start to, I'm tell, I tell, as a youth pastor for years, a young person makes a mistake, the first thing you need to do is come to church, not stay away. Because when you get to church, things start to shake off your life. And I'll tell you the same here on this Sunday morning. Don't stay away from the presence of God. Don't stay out because it starts to shake things off our lives that shouldn't be there any longer. They thought he was going to die. They, they watched and prepared he's going to die. This man who survived the sea is now going to die. But he shook it off. I wish there would be some people that would shake off the problems of their life, the things they faced this week, and say, I, I'm, I'm not leaving the church. <laughs> I'm not leaving my God. I'm shaking off the criticism. I'm shaking off my pain. I'm shaking off the doubts. I'm shaking everything off. You can shake it off or show symptoms. I love that they were starting a fire. The apostle Paul was bringing firewood to keep it burning. Fire is always a type of the presence of God or the Holy Spirit. If you ever feel like a castaway, it's a good time to start a fire. The people were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead, and they waited a long time because he never did. People are going to have to wait a long time for you to get off the serve team. Wait a long time. Before you turn away. When they saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. We know Paul wasn't a God, but he served a great God. And I do believe this today, that people may not read this Bible, but they definitely read us. And our reactions to the things we face and the circumstances we go through, is it going to be pouting or is it going to be praising Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. But Paul went in and prayed for him, laying hands on him, and he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Castaway are calling. Imagine he's going to stay on the shore and, and settle on being a castaway and sulk and, and, and build imaginary friends or I'm going to get about walking in my calling. What am I going to do? And when they came time to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It's amazing in this story that Paul, who survived the shipwreck, he gets to the island, he's serving, he's doing everything he can. He's, he's kicking in the sea. He's gathering sticks to keep the fire burning. And now it comes time. There's a need on the island. And the Apostle Paul goes and he meets the need of the man who is sick. The guy who faced all this stuff. 
A guy who has a wound in his hand from a snake he shook off. He goes in and he lays hands on Publius' father. It's the guy with wounds. You have to understand it's the guy who has a story behind him. It's the guy who's going off to prison. It's the guy with the pain. It's the, that guy who goes in to the man who is sick and brings about healing. I hope you understand, God is trying to use people like you with wounds and pain and hurt and discouragement and disappointment to start healing the people around you. You say, Pastor, I've got pain. We need you on the prayer team. Pastor, I've got hurt. We need you worshiping with us. Pastor, I've got all these problems. We need you serving. Your pain doesn't remove that from you. We can either focus on our pain or have faith in his power. We can either focus on our pain or have faith in his power. Devin, would you come? Hope I'm talking to some people who've been through some disappointments. Been through some things. You see, Jesus said, Father, if it's your will, let this pass from me. Apostle Paul's kicking in the sea. He's gathering sticks. I can focus on my pain. His power. I can focus on my pain or the salvation through the cross of Calvary. I can focus on what I'm going through currently or what he's already sealed in heaven. If this life is but a vapor, why, why do I put so much emphasis on it? I can focus on what I'm facing or the faith of my next steps in him. All the people of the island, they came and they were healed. To realize that everything that you face is not there to paralyze you, to promote you. Serving will always be the vehicle to take us from our problems and our pain to our purpose. The debris, the firewood, and the cross. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and carried the cross. He chose his calling instead of being a castaway. You may feel like a castaway, but the Father says it's your calling. Did the church survive a pandemic or did the church fulfill its purpose? Peggy Noonan wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal, in which she recalled a scene from the movie Black Hawk Down. The movie is about the battle of Bakara Market in Mogadishu, Somalia, October of 1993. You remember this? In this scene, a U.S. Army Ranger colonel is in charge of a small convoy of Humvees. It's trying to make its way back to base under heavy gun and rocket fire, and the colonel stops the convoy takes in some moon and tears a dead driver out of the driver's seat and yells to the bleeding sergeant who's standing nearby in shock, Colonel, get into that truck and drive, Colonel says. But the sergeant responds, but I'm shot, Colonel. The Colonel responds, everybody's shot. Get in and drive. I'll tell you this today. We're all shot. Get it and try. 
We've all been shot. There's life beyond your hurt and brokenness. If you'll dare to trust, you have a purpose. Get back up and walk into your God-given purpose. Walk into it. My ship is broken up. Grab some debris and start kicking. I'm cold and wet on this shore. Grab some sticks and start serving. I don't know what my next holds. Don't worry. Trust in our everlasting Father who said he's made a way out of no way. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He's never seen this, his righteous seed forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He's never seen it. Can I close with this? I had the opportunity to share this story a year ago, but I want to share it with you this morning. It's my castaway or calling story. March 13th. I know where I'm at. 2020. I'm actually speaking to a bunch of generals, the army base in Michigan. I'm speaking to them and all of a sudden, all their phones and their computers start pinging. They lift up their laptops, they start looking at their phones, which I'm like, that's rude, I'm speaking. <laughs> but what was happening is they were getting notifications that this pandemic is worse than what everyone imagined. That weekend, we didn't have service. That was a Friday, Friday the 13th, 2020. We didn't have weekend services. We would not gather in person that whole year until November, I think it was November 3rd or 4th of that year. I didn't know if we'd ever gather in person. Dusty and I talked often. I didn't know what was going through. I was on Zoom calls with Pastor John Siebling just about every week trying to figure out. I'm in Michigan. You seen our governor? And I'm, I'm watching everything, and these, these guys are in Tennessee and Texas, and man, they're, they're having church. <laughs> I'm like, and honestly, it was sad. I was, was depressed. I started doing things that I never dreamed I'd ever do. I wasn't being a good husband, because I was depressed. I was a castaway. I was just talking to myself for days. Me and Wilson. I definitely chose that over my calling because my calling was number one, to be a good husband, number two, to be a good father, number three, to be a pastor, and I wasn't doing any of those. I go into this cave of despair. I can't hear God sulking. It's sad. Am I, am I a pastor to a COVID world? Am I a pastor to a post COVID world? I don't know. I don't feel like I am. It's hard. It's tough. The ship is broken up. I'm holding on. I'm definitely not kicking. My team reached out to me. They said, Pastor Robbie, we're, we're trying to do some online stuff and get some things going. We need to know a, a password to an email that you set up before you even started the church. It's 2015. This is 2020. I said, that's five years ago. I can barely remember the password I set up last week, let alone five years ago. So I went, on the, the, I went on the registration part and go in, and there's two security questions, right? Don't crack my account, okay, for these security question answers I'm about to give you. And they said, What's, who's your best friend in high school? That was easy. C-O-R-Y, Corey. Next one, what's, what's your dream job? Dream job. 
2015, what's my dream job? P-A-S-T-O-R. And it opened up. I started crying. And God said, if it was your dream job five years ago, it's your dream job now. And I started hearing the voice of God again. And Greg, I started kicking again. I didn't know the destination, nor where it was going, but I, didn't, I knew I couldn't live in the sea. The sea of despair, I had to get out of it, so I started kicking. I started hearing the voice of God. And I felt something so deep in my, in my soul. Right about that time Chadwick Bozeman died, a friend of mine who was a sportscaster locally died. They both died of the same thing, colon cancer. And I went to the doctor and said, I want to have a colonoscopy. He says, you're too young. You don't need to have it. I said, I feel like I need to have it. Advocated for months. Finally got in to have a colonoscopy. I go in, the doctor does the colonoscopy on me. He says, Robbie, everything's fine. His name was Dr. Robbie. Everything's fine. But we did normal procedure. You're good. Get a call eight days later. Mr. Emery, I want to let you know what we removed from your colon cancer I, my wife said my face turned white gray and I said well, what do I need to do now they said nothing at all we're really glad that you came in because you're good come back in five years if I wouldn't advocate for myself I wouldn't have got in but more importantly if I wouldn't have got out of the sea of despair and heard the Holy Spirit prompting me and pushing me I would have cancer five years from now and I'm telling you today as long as we stay a castaway and never walk in our calling it might be my life it might be your life it might be your neighbor's life it might be your children's life I'm Don't be a castaway because it's just you and Wilson hanging out. But if you walk in your calling, if it's your neighbor, it's your kids, your family, come on. Get out of the cave of despair. Step out of the basement and see all that God has for you. Will you stand with me today? I just want to pray over you this morning. And I hope you've received what God wanted me to share today. Good bow your heads. God, I pray for this great church. God, who means so much to me. And God, if I could take some things that I've been through over the past few years and, and use them as a platform to promote you, then I'm going to do that. So I'm speaking to someone right now that has had some things fall apart. And there are holding on to the debris, the things that are left, but I'm telling you, come on, start kicking. Come on, you're holding on that little bit of love for your spouse. Come on, start kicking. Start kicking. Come on, you're just floating around. Come on, start kicking. Come on, start kicking. You, you, you've been floating around of being the type of father or mother you need to be for your children, but come on, start kicking. Start kicking. Let's get to the shore of this. Come on. I know you've faced some things in life, and I know where you are is not where you want to be. It's not the destination. It's not finally, but it doesn't, it doesn't exempt us from serving. Come on, start serving today. Come on, serve. Who are you going to serve? Serve the person in front of you. Serve in this great church. 
I know, I know things have latched onto you, but you've allowed it to stay latched onto you too long. Come on, shake that off today. Shake that off today. God, I, I repent of holding on to something. Because God, if I'm holding on it, that means you're not. So I'm letting it go, God. I'm shaking it off today, Jesus. Jesus, I'm letting it go. I'm understanding today that the pain I face might bring the hope and healing to someone else in their life. So God, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue and moving forward. Because you didn't stop in the garden, even though you said, if this can happen, I'll let it happen. But you said, let my, not my will, but your will be done, God. And today we pray that. God, I pray your will be done in everyone's life. I pray your will happen in all of our lives today. God, let your Holy Spirit experience move us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.